This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Amazing. Good morning. Are you glad you came? It's always a good morning. But this is really special. And um, if I've not met you before, my name is Bryony. And um, we're going to, this morning, end one series and start another. Oh, yeah, I think I need a little bit more there. We're going to end one series and start another. And um, I don't know if anyone else likes watching films. I, something I love to do with my time, my spare time, whatever that is, is um, to watch movies. And so I love going to the cinema. That is a real treat. I love it when you can get it on a bargain. And um, I often find that my cinema snacks have been demolished before the end of the opening credits. They must make the adverts longer and longer these days. Um, but I, I love watching film, whether it's on the big screen, I like watching films at home. I um, would watch a film on a laptop. Just recently I watched, uh, I was traveling, and so I downloaded a film to watch on the plane on my phone. And it was a brilliant film, and I got really gripped. And I then realized I hadn't thought this through because the film was all about a plane that crashes. <laughs> and here I am, engrossed, getting into feeling the, the, what the characters are feeling and going, it's okay, it's not going to happen to you. It's not going to happen to you. Um, but it was a brilliant film, nonetheless. And is there anyone else that enjoys watching a good film? And um, I like those kind of films where it starts with the opening scene and you don't really know what's happening. And then, before it tells you what happens next, it rewinds. And it says something like six months later or 24 hours earlier or tw 20 years earlier, and it kind of gives you the backstory. It rewinds the timeline, and it gives you the backstory of who are these characters here about to do what we don't know because we haven't seen the next bit. And um, that's what we're going to do this morning, if that's okay. As we pick up this story of the early church in the book of Acts, we're going to have a little look. You've got your opening scene, and then we're going to rewind before we go forward. Okay, so we're going to be in Acts chapter 13. It's going to be on the screen, and you can follow in your Bibles. Acts chapter 13. This is our opening scene, okay? So, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off into the rest of the film. But we're going to go back a little bit first because here we have these two characters, Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul, and they are about to embark on a great adventure. They are about to embark on a journey. They are about to go to the work that the Lord has called them to. They're perhaps ready to go off on their adventure, perhaps a bit like these guys. Ready to go. A great adventure, a challenge ahead of them, or maybe more like these guys. Who knows? But here they are, and they are ready to go. But first, we need to rewind and go back in the timeline. So we have Barnabas, and we have Saul. And now when we first meet Barnabas, if we rewind in Acts chapter 4, this is what we read about him. Barnabas. He says, Joseph, 
a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the first time that we meet Barnabas, one of our main characters in the passage we've just read. And what is Barnabas doing when we first meet him? We've talked about Barnabas a few times over this series, but what is Barnabas doing? Barnabas is doing a Dorcas. Barnabas is doing a Dorcas. And if you're thinking, I'm not familiar with, is that the Greek for something that I'm not familiar with? You need to listen to the podcast from last week and catch up on what we're talking about. What Barnabas is doing is he's bringing his gift. He's bringing what he has. He's bringing what's in his hands, however big or small it may seem, however significant or insignificant it may seem. He's bringing what he has and he's laying it at the feet of the apostles for the benefit of the church. He's bringing what he has and he's submitting it at the feet of the apostles for the benefit of the church. Now, when we say church, we often talk about this building as church. But in reality, church is the people. Church is the community. Church is you and me and the people that couldn't make it today. And the people that are yet to join that are on their way. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the benefit of the church. But like any family, a church needs a home. So we need a building because it would be really impractical not to, to gather like this if we didn't have a home. So sometimes when we say church, we, we, we really mean the building that the people meet in, that they gather in before they spread out to their communities. But when we meet Barnabas, here he is, he is doing a Dorcas. He's bringing what he has and he is laying it at the feet of the apostles for the benefit of the church. He's sacrificing. He's serving He's displaying generosity. He's entrusting what he has. And he gives freely. From what I can see as I read this passage, there's no sense of, well, hang on a sec, I just need to see the last three months' bank statements and two references before I bring what I have and lay it at your feet for the benefit of the community. He's not saying, I'm going to give as long as you do this and this, but if you start doing this, I don't value that, so then I want it back. He gives freely. See, our devotion to Jesus is expressed through our devotion to his church. Our devotion to Jesus, and we're talking this year, aren't we, about devoted, fully devoted followers. That's our call. Our devotion to Jesus is expressed through devotion to his church. Now, you may have, but I have yet to discover a way to literally, physically give to God. I've yet to discover a way to literally and physically give to God. You know, sometimes in, when we talk about giving financially, we talk about giving to God. But I don't know his bank details. And I think, well, okay, I can go old, old school. I can write a check. Where do I send it to? Actually, our giving to God is through our giving to people, to community, to others. That us, when we serve others, it's an expression of our service to God. That our devotion to Jesus is expressed through our devotion to his church. You know, sometimes I wonder if God's looking at us and he's thinking, come on, come on, join the dots. Join the dots. Join the dots. It's so, it's so clear. And, you know, sometimes perhaps we're in worship and we sing these incredible songs, you know, all my days are yours. Well, you know, we've got an opportunity to serve. Well, hang on a sec, no, I can't do that. But all my days are yours. Now, there's an opportunity, there's a need for you to serve the church community. I, I, I just can't do that. 
And sometimes I wonder if God is waiting for us to join the dots. And I realize there is stuff that goes on in life and sometimes we genuinely are not in a position to serve in a particular way. But I think we must understand that our devotion to Jesus is expressed through our devotion to the church, to his people, to his cause, to his kingdom. You know, and I wonder for you this morning, what do you have? What do you have? What would it look like to offer that to God by offering it to his people, by offering it to his church? You know, there are so many ways in which you can bring what you have. There are so many opportunities for you to get involved. There are service teams here on a Sunday that pull things together. There are the ones you see and the ones that are unseen. There are opportunities to serve outside of Sundays. There are opportunities to serve here midweek with youth on Fridays, with kids during the week. There are opportunities to serve outside in our community as we seek to impact our neighbours. You know, there are opportunities for, for you to bring your unique gift and contribute to the good of all. You know, yesterday we, I took those gifts that we've just been able to present to Jeff and Trish and I took them to Sue, who many of you all know sings in the worship team and she runs a flower shop and it's beautiful and it really smells when you walk in, in a good way. <laughs> um, and, um, and, I, and, I, and I said, can you make this look beautiful? And um, she said, yes, and just... And they're, they're, before my eyes, it was transformed. And I said, how much do I owe you? And she said, no, that's my contribution. You see, Sue wasn't on the rotor for the, uh, presenting the gifts in a pretty way for the 20th anniversary of Jeff's Senior Leadership on Life, on Life Church team. She wasn't scheduled on Planning Center to serve in that way. It wasn't an official role. It wasn't, I'm going to commit to do this once a month. And we need people that will commit to do things once a month. But what Sue did is she saw, this is my gift. These are my resources. And I can contribute. I can bring something of me for the benefit of all. And my blessing to others can be seen as my blessing to God. Maybe you have a unique gift and you think, I don't, or, or a unique resource. And you think, I don't really understand how this fits into this, this, or this. Well, come and talk to us. Because we can be better if each of us bring what we have. Each of us bring what's in our hearts and in our hands. Because our devotion to Jesus is expressed through our devotion to his church. So we're going to move forward a little bit on our timeline, but we haven't yet got to where the film started, okay? You still with me? So we, we find Barnabas doing a Dorcas, and then we hear of him next in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, and it says, when he... Talking about Saul, Barnabas' wingman, in the beginning of our passage, came to Jerusalem. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Now, just to fill us in, and we've looked at this over the last few weeks, at this point, Saul has had a dramatic conversion. He has encountered the risen Christ and has done a, whole, a 180 and totally turned his life around and goes from being a persecutor of Christians to spreading the message, the good news about Jesus, that he is the one true Lord. Paul has had a dramatic conversion, but the disciples, who not long ago were terrified of Saul, not long ago feared for their life when they um, thought about Saul and what Saul was doing, are a little uneasy when they hear that this guy wants to come and talk to us. I can understand. Can you? Yeah. You know, at the beginning of chapter 9, it says that Saul was uh, still 
breathing out murderous threats. Do you want to have dinner with this guy? Not in a dark alley. And, um, and, and this is just fascinating language, like to reflect on breathing out murderous threats. Like, I don't breathe murderous threats. I don't even breathe words. I breathe air. Like, what is, what is this guy doing to, to say that he's breathing out murderous threats? You don't want to be near this guy, do you? But then he has his conversion and then wants to join the disciples. And understandably, they're like, hmm, not sure about this. So the verse continues, verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved around freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. You see, it's Saul, it's Barnabas who vouches for Saul. It's Barnabas who vouches for Saul. And as a result, Saul, who goes on to be referred to as Paul, Saul is accepted by the disciples because of Barnabas's vouching for him. Now, because I watch movies... I sometimes see the Bible in movies. And so I sometimes imagine moments in the Bible and I think, what would the filmmakers do with this? If they were to bring this to life, what would they do? And um, when I think about this scene, I think of the tension the viewer might feel of, what if Barnabas is wrong? Barnabas has taken a risk. He's being courageous. But what if he's wrong? You know, I imagine that Saul is played by Liam Neeson. And um, Barnabas leads him into this room, and it's the heart of the movement. It's all of the leaders. There they are. And you know, because you've watched other films, that Liam Neeson could take them all out in moments. (laughs) Three seconds, and that movement is gone. And so you're feeling it. Do you feel the tension? Is Barnabas right? And you know when the filmmakers mess with you, where you're like, oh, I can't tell if he's a goodie or a baddie. And they've deliberately done that, and I just can't work it out. Wow, Barnabas takes an incredible risk on Saul. Not only does he trust him, but he brings him into the heart of this new movement to meet the disciples. The risk that he takes, the trust that he displays in Saul and in the God who has revealed himself to Saul and is speaking to Barnabas. But what if he hadn't? What if he hadn't taken that step of faith? What if he hadn't been so courageous? What if he hadn't taken that risk on Saul? See, later, Saul, uh, Barnabas goes on a, a trip to Antioch and, and takes Saul along with him. And um, we begin to see that Saul becomes known more so as uh, Paul. And Saul, they say, is his Jewish name. Paul was perhaps more of a, a name that made sense in the Greek world. Um, And because Paul begins to take the gospel message outside of the Jewish world, begins to spread this gospel message across the continents, across the world, this message that Jesus is the risen Lord. And he goes on to write um, lots of books in the New Testament. What if Barnabas hadn't taken a risk on Paul? What if Barnabas hadn't displayed that courage? Now, God is God and he can move in other ways, but this is the way that he chose to move. And Barnabas responded to that with faith and courage and risk. 
You know, I wonder, who are the people in your life who are just waiting for someone to take a risk on them? Waiting for someone to spot something in them, to get alongside them, to encourage them, to, to bring them alongside. See, Saul, when he goes to Antioch, he brings Barnabas, when he goes, he brings Saul along with him as his wingman. He invests in him. He trains him. He serves with him. Who are the people in your life that are just waiting for someone to spot something that's in them? To say, you know what? I'm going to take a risk on you. Who are the people that are just waiting to be invested in? Perhaps in your family life, in your work, in the ways that you serve in church, in your friendships. Whose story is yet to be written because someone's not yet taken a risk on them. Because the amazing thing about Barnabas and Saul, who becomes Paul, is not just that, not just that, that Saul gets an opportunity, but it's what Saul goes on to do. And as we continue the, the story of Acts, Barnabas kind of fades into the background a little bit and Paul becomes the limelight. And this morning, as I said, we, we're, we're ending one series and starting another. And in this series, we're going to continue through the book of Acts. We've been looking in this first half of the book of Acts at the devoted life. But as we uh, look over the next few weeks and through the rest of the journey of Acts, we're going to be looking at devotion's journey. Devotion's journey, because what does devotion propel us towards? And what Paul does is that his encounter with the risen Christ propels him across the nations to spread the message of the one true Lord. And that's what devotion does. Devotion isn't just about us feeling nice and us having an experience in this place. It propels us and it motivates us and it sends us into our everyday and into our communities. That's devotion's journey. It takes us somewhere. And when we go on that journey, those around us benefit. You know, perhaps your devotion will spark devotion in another who will go farther and faster than you were able to. And if it does, then that is a win. Because in the kingdom of God, a win for one is a win for all. Perhaps someone will become more well-known, more significant, more famed, better at what you do. But that's a win for this kingdom of God. You know, maybe you're a parent and maybe you think, I, I don't really have time to invest in people because parenting is consuming. Well, you have some little people that are, that are looking at you. And whilst it's hard sometimes to remember this, it's an incredible example of discipleship to parent. Because they're there and they're, they're willing and they're present almost all the time, even in the middle of the night. Whereas the people perhaps who think, oh, that adult, I'd love to invest in that adult, but I just don't have time. Well, who do you have time with? And how can you disciple, perhaps if you're a parent at this stage in life, how can you disciple the children that God has entrusted to you? Devotion's journey propels us to others. And so we find ourselves back where we started, back at the start of the film. We've done our rewind. Now's the bit where you go, oh, we've, we've caught up now, we're going forward. You know that bit in the film where you're like, yes, I've worked it out. Now we're finding out what happens next. So this is what happens next. Acts, chapter, Acts 13, verse 4. It says, because Paul, Paul and Barnabas are about to go off on this adventure, this journey they've been sent on, but where do they go first? 
where do they go first? The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. The first place they go is Cyprus. And they spread the message, the gospel message across the whole island. From what I can see, Cyprus is not specified as the destination. But what we do know, when we've done our little recap and our rewind, let's catch up on the timeline, is that Cyprus is where Barnabas is from. And so Barnabas goes first to his people. Barnabas understands that the street that you wake up on and the place where you work and the shops where you go to buy your groceries is the place where God has called you, the place where God has sent you. That go, this gospel message, this, this, this uh, mandate to the church to go and make disciples is not necessarily about going to another location. It's not necessarily about going to another country. It's not necessarily, well, that's for the select few that are willing to move to another country or another place. That go is less about place and more about purpose. That go is less about place and more about purpose, more about approaching our everyday with the understanding that I am sent that I am sent with a message, that I am sent with the presence and the power of God to bring good news in my community. On the street where I live in this season of my life, in the place where I go to the, the gym, the people I see when I'm walking the dog, the people I see when I go and visit my friend or my family member at the hospital, the people in the office, they're the people that I'm sent to. And it's not for a select few that move to another country, it's for each and every Jesus follower. Because go is less about place and more about purpose, attitude, mindset, calling. That's the mission for every Christian. And I want to invite in just a moment a friend of mine to the stage to share a story with us that she shared with me just recently. And I thought that is brilliant. That encapsulates so much what I'm talking about. And so much, I think, the part that God has for us to play in our communities. So why don't we welcome Ruth to the stage? Good morning, Ruth. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. Good. So, Ruth, we talked a little bit this week. Why don't you share with all of us... The, the story you shared with me about how you and P Peter have really been embodying this, the idea that go is not just for a few, it's not for when God calls you to an, another location, but it's for, for where we are, where we find ourselves, where we live. Okay, so three years ago when we moved um, back to Burnley, we realised very quickly that um, it was going to be quite challenging to get to know our neighbours um, partly because a lot of them are out at work every day. And um, so we, we wanted to get to know our neighbours. We wanted to build a relationship with them. And so obviously the first thing is to find out their names. And uh, that was quite tricky as well. Um, but anyway, what we decided to do was to pray and just to commit to praying for them every day. And um, at the moment, we only know actually five, the names of five households around us. Um, but that's been really, um, it's, it's been a lesson in being faithful in prayer and persevering in prayer um, because it's only last winter, which was, we've been in the house two years, um, when we started to see things change. 
and uh, one of our neighbours who lives on her own, um, she fell and broke her foot and she had a dog and was unable to walk the dog. And so we found out that she was in this state and we offered to help her with walking the dog, which was a really good way to build that bridge with her. We had already spoken to her on many t occasions. And, um, and then, sadly, earlier this year, the dog passed away. Um, but she has been living with a chronic back injury for many years and now has um, a lot of pain in her knees, waiting a knee replacement. And so her health has deteriorated significantly over this year. And so we have been um, able to build a stronger relationship with her. Um, we've been taking food. Uh, but we've also, um, on one occasion, we visited and we just both felt compelled to pray for her. And so we, she knew that we, was, we were praying for her. And um, so on one occasion when we were both there, Peter asked her, if we could pray for her and she was very open and uh, she said yes please and um, yeah and after that I went to see her the day after and she said um, I had the best night's sleep that I've had for months <laughs> which was um, <laughs> yeah which was which was amazing and um, yeah and we've had opportunity to pray for her several more time since then. That is fantastic. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Amazing. Ruth, thank you so much. You can take your seat. Thank you so much for sharing. Is that incredible? Ruth and Peter, see, these are the people that happen to be in the houses near us. So we're going to commit to pray for them every day. Like that in itself is incredible. Committing to pray for them every day. Trying to get to know them. Looking for opportunities to serve them. You, you can't walk your dog? I'll walk your dog for you. Like, that is incredible. And then looking for opportunities. How can I, when can I pray for them? When can I share faith with them? And them seeing the power of God at work in their lives. Realizing that go is less about place and more about purpose. And I want to invite the bands to join us as we draw to a close this morning. And perhaps just give us a few moments to reflect. The journey of... Barnabas and Saul, as they're about to be sent out on this great adventure. But it begins with serving, with Barnabas doing a Dorcas. It begins with generosity. It begins with bringing what you have for the benefit of others. Now, however significant or insignificant it may seem. But then in Barnabas, we see this incredible trust, risk, that leads to the story we're going to look at over the next, um, the next few weeks. The story of the early church as Paul is sent across Europe and, and other countries of the and continents of the world to spread the message, devotion's journey, because devotion propels us and it moves us to change. It propels us to take that risk on that person who's just waiting for someone to believe in them who maybe doesn't really believe in themselves because someone yet hasn't believed in them. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.